we started thrusting, as it were. <laughs> and then I got a bit agitated and he says, oh, are you all right? Are you all right? I said, um, I'm just checking my Fitbit to see what my heart rate's doing. <laughs> You're listening to The Ticker Tapes, a podcast by the BHF. So welcome back to The Ticker Tapes. I'm Lucy Mangan, journalist, author and TV critic. And like most of you, I suspect, uh, my image of heart attack victims are old, probably overweight men suddenly keeling over, clutching their chests. Um, But apparently we, I, couldn't be more wrong. As a woman, you're twice as likely to die of heart disease as you are of breast cancer. So every day in the UK, nearly 100 women are admitted to hospital following a heart attack. And as a woman, you're likely to receive poorer care than men at every stage, which is diagnosis, treatment, through to your aftercare. And the BHF has launched a campaign to highlight these these inequalities in care, and you can access even more eye-opening facts uh, from their website and their briefing bias and biology. But this series, this these podcasts, are about getting behind the headlines and talking to some real women about their real experiences and finding out what life has really been like for them since. So I'm delighted to be here in the rather lovely surroundings of Champneys in Tring with three remarkable women, Carol, Esther and Zena, who are all united by one common factor. They've all had heart attacks and actually in in the last one or two years. In part one, which if you missed it, you can go back, do check your feed and um, and catch up with us. Uh, We chatted about the immediate impact of having a heart attack, what happens when you're, you're suddenly taken out of action. And today, we're going to get more into the emotional side of things and finding out how how their experiences and these events have affected their relationships with with partners, with friends, with their children, and also how their relationship with their own bodies has changed. So, ladies, if I can just ask you first, um, what happens to your relationship with your body? How do you feel about yourself and your your suddenly, what must feel suddenly like a very fragile state indeed. Esther? Well, I've always had quite a bad relationship with my body. (laughs) I'm I'm sure most women, uh, when I speak to women, um, you know, we're always trying to lose a bit of weight. I could always lose a stone. I could always be fitter. I could always be taller and slimmer and all those things. So I really, really hated the idea of the fact that I can't, I couldn't really move around that much. So even when I wasn't sure if I'd had a heart attack and I was in the hospital, I just thought, well, I won't eat any carbohydrates, you know, because I can't go, I can't do any exercise. And I did say to the cardiologist one day, he said, have you got any chest pains? I said, no, I haven't had anything because I'm not really moving around. I said, do you want me to, you know, run around the corridors of the hospital? He went, no. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest with you, I felt awful. And um, I hate being unfit. And it took me a long time to, you you have to do the cardio rehab, rehabilitation. I'm not going to say who it was, but there was a, a quite a famous actor who was in my cardio rehab (laughs) on the, on the, um, what do you call it? The step machine. What do you call the uh, cross trainer on the cross trainer? I didn't, I, I hated having to kind of go and have this kind of baby steps, medical um, assessment. You know, can you walk up and down on this step? And I thought, I am literally being treated like an 80 year old woman. And I, I hate that. I hate the fact that I'm, I'm unfit. I've had a heart attack. You know, I was quite disgusted with myself, actually. I mean, I, I've just, 
I hated it. And um, I do go to the gym now and I do yoga. I feel a lot more. I do 10,000 steps a day. I'm a lot fitter than I was. I'm almost a normal person, okay. but I'm still not happy with my body. <laughs> Carol, does any of that um, ring true? I'm, I'm, I'm rather the opposite. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to do a lot of, a lot of, uh, it has a lot to do with my, my belief. I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And I have this thing about being fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what's in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. And I believe. So I've always believed that I'm made specially. And, um, and so for me, my heart is this special organ that's intricately and beautifully, deliberately created by God. And it still is. Um, my, on my 50th birthday, one of my friends, who is also a doctor, called me up. And she was talking to me and she was like, gosh, Carol, I don't know what to get you for your birthday. If I could get you a new heart, I probably would have. And I laughed. But then I thought about it and I thought, I wouldn't want one. Even though this one that I've got is broken, yeah. it's still my heart. And so I still love it. it. You and still feel completely integrated. I still integrated feel and... co completely integrated. I still feel, even though it's broken and it's not functioning as it should, it's keeping me alive and I'm still able to do most things. I get very fatigued because it can't pump the blood to all of my organs to sustain my muscles, etc., as I should. And that's why I have to get my <laughs> nana naps in the <laughs> afternoon as well. But um, I, it's, it's still mine. And if it will continue keeping me like this, which I'm hopeful and um, you know, by God's grace, it will with all the medicines and the lifestyle and the prayers and everything that I get. I'm happy to have it, to continue living with it, even, you know, even though it's not functioning to 100 yeah. percent, but I make the best of it. So I still feel connected. So faith has given you a, absolutely a, a, a path to acceptance yeah, really, and, yeah. and still feeling like yeah. everything's yeah. meant to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See. Um, I just view myself as a wok, a wonky old crock, um, <laughs> and a, a, a lol, a little old lady. Um, she looks like neither, by the way. <laughs> She's got bright pink hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, God. I lost everything after my heart attack. I lost my um, confidence, my um, self-assurance, my... Everything just—I felt as though my whole world was internalizing, but it was coming so small and so inhibiting. And as I say, I'd always been this confident, independent woman, and it just, after the heart attack, uh, started following the the stroke. Because you had a, you had a stroke first, and then a year later, a heart attack. Yes, that's right. So um, I, I felt empty. I, I didn't. I didn't know who I was. Um, I I lost a lot of weight, and that didn't actually help. I still look in the mirror, and I don't know who I am or what I see. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it's really weird sensations immediately uh, after the heart attack. The the stuff that went through my head. So um, yeah, real real challenge with me and my uh, body. Um, and yet, you know, when I was overweight and a, a larger size than I am, 
I always knew I was fabulous and gorgeous. And now I think, oh God, I just want to put my head in my hands and not look and yeah. But I guess that's a metaphor for putting my head in my hands and not thinking about other stuff as well, so. But also it must be very hard to have this constant, you know, if you say as you you look in the mirror and you look quite different because you've lost a lot of weight, you've got this physical manifestation or reminder always of this terrible experience. Yeah. Which must be very odd. And also, oh, and this is seriously weird. Um, So every time I get up in the morning, I go to the mirror. um, Or if I have to get up in the middle of the night because I need a wee or whatever. um, I I go straight to the mirror to check that I can still smile. Mm. Because, you know. Is that because you had the stroke? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's seriously weird. But I will get over that one day. Or maybe not. But, you know, hey, um, it is... It is, and that's part of me finding out who I am now. And go on, Carol. No, I was just thinking. For me, one of the challenges that I had is because I said I wasn't overweight as when I had the heart attack. I was quite slim, and I decided to lose more weight after I had the heart attack because I don't know why I've had this thing. So I'm going to do everything that I can do to make myself in the bed. And then people started saying things. Oh. You should stop now. Don't lose any more weight. Mm. And one person said, she said, oh, you've got the fragile look. Oh, <laughs> the fragile look. <laughs> oh. And I think she meant well, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> but those things sometimes get, get to you a bit. Yeah. And I know people mean well, mm. but because they're looking at me thinking, you weren't big anyway. And then you've lost so much. You've lost to them, look so much weight to me. Yeah. Because I suppose when somebody's seeing you, it's different. But I can tell in my face that I looked a little different. But it was it, it's okay for me. But it's it's a yeah, bit of a they challenge. Don't, yeah, they it's it's funny. People yeah. people always comment on the just the yeah the immediate outside. Yeah. Whereas you know it's completely different if if yeah. someone's chosen to lose weight yeah. as you had and yeah. to look fragile yeah. is all fine if you know that you know the motivation but you have sort of almost the inverse when you lost a lot of weight and you don't like it no I don't I I mean it's having said that you know so many people were complimentary and so whatever you're doing carry on doing it because I I certainly don't think I look fragile I think she just (laughs) I don't know what she meant when she she wanted yeah you know the famous saying is it the famous Barbara Cartland saying it's either your face or your ass (laughs) okay after after 50 this is a terrible thing but I'm I'm actually very envious that you both lost weight because I just really have not lost any weight I've definitely put on muscle and I think as my, as what I did, I, I, I work with a personal trainer because I need a bit of help when it comes to motivation to go to the gym. And she said, oh, you've reconstituted your body, whatever <laughs> it is. Well, you've, re, you've redistributed okay. your weight. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely got more muscle. But I think the beta blockers and the, the meds that we take, considering before, you know, I'm, I've, been, I've always been a busy person. Maybe I, I was only a social smoker. I didn't smoke loads. But um, I, I'm, I'm definitely eating less. But I just find it really difficult to lose weight. So um, I am exercising more. I'm I'm eating less. I mean, but I haven't gone full vegan like using. You know, I haven't. I don't do a massive vegan diet. But the cardiologist did say to me that you're a mother of two. You know, when I was 45, my kids were seven and 11. She said you don't need to go vegan and go on a macrobiotic diet. You know, you've got to be able to live. You've got to be able to pop into drive-through McDonald's occasionally. You know, <laughs> that's your life. But you do need to take the meds and you do need to yeah. do the exercise. Yeah. 
But I, why, why am I losing weight? I want to lose more weight, but maybe I should stop being so... It's, know, it's the strange yeah. thing about these kind of life-changing experiences. They're meant to, you know, put all the small stuff in perspective and it's meant to fade and, away. And now that you know, no. the idea is that, you you know, because you've survived, you all the small stuff just goes away. I, but you're sitting going, I still want to lose weight. I say, yeah, because you don't change. It's always been... If it's, something's always been important to you. Yeah. It's, it's this great myth that... that um, life-changing experiences put everything immediately, perfectly, forever into perspective. I do think, though, that with, when it comes because that, that is when it comes to diet, lifestyle things, people are very concerned about that. That people yeah. ask me a lot when I go out because I do give talks about what has happened to me and just encouraging people and, and trying to raise awareness about heart attacks in women. And that's one of the things that people want to know a lot about. And there are so many myths around, but. Um, Personally, I haven't had made many changes. I've, I've definitely made my portions even smaller. And probably that's the biggest thing I've done, really. Yeah. And I've carried on with my exercises, but I've never been somebody who dieted. So, Lucky I lady. don't know. <laughs> I don't so I've no, not but this had all goes to the, to the fact that, you know, your heart attack of the three of you came the most out of the blue. I mean, yes. Yes. Unexpected. Yeah. And, and, and really I'm, a, I'm a GP and I think I should practice what I preach. So I always try my best to live, and, you know. And, but that, God, but you're, that's you're a triple inspiration to us at this point. <laughs> yes. Um, but let's talk about the impact it had on your families, your partners and, and your children, if you have children and your friends, how, how did they react to you suddenly being an ill person? For me, I, I remember talking once and I said that one good thing that came out of my heart attack is to realise how much I'm loved. I mean, it might sound, you know, a bit soppy or whatever, but I had such an outpouring of love, friends, and certainly, you know, my colleagues, my church family, and lots of prayer. So that for me was just really overwhelming. And I really, really, really appreciate that. At work, they were very, 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 very supportive. And I was blessed enough to be able to have the opportunity to not be pressured into what I what. I was, and again, it's because I changed the way I work. I'd given up my salary GP job. So I was doing locum work, basically choosing my hours. And I was able to have that flexibility and I had a lot of support. My children were devastated, as you can imagine. They were teenagers, so they were, what, 14 and 16 at the time. Absolutely devastated, but they got over that. But recently, my son, my old son, who is now 18, he, he did a video. He said he got up out of the night, he was bored, and he was thinking about things, and he decided to make a video. And he was getting lots of comments about it, and he asked me if I wanted to... He said, OK, Mom, I'll just show it to you. And he basically made a video of what, three things that he's scared of. And one of them is that he's scared of anything happening to his mom, and him not before he gets a chance to treat me and look after me and him not doing well and show me that he's done well. Because he's aware that I've, I mean, I worked hard to send him to private school and he wants to show that he's appreciated it. And towards the end, I said, 
just turn it off. I don't want to see it because I don't want him to feel pressured like he has to prove himself because I know he's a good child. He's my son. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll say that. But um, I feel like it has somehow put this kind of, I wouldn't call it burden, but it's, he's conscious of it and he wants to prove to me that I didn't waste my money sort yeah. of thing. And he also wants, he knows I want certain things like the Caribbean cruise and he wants to be the one to pay <laughs> for it and Good. all these kinds of things. So I realise that it has put that kind of yeah. um, pressure. Yeah. Well, let's just ask Esther about her tr yeah. the impact on her children, if any, because they were a lot younger. Yeah, so uh, my son was seven and my daughter was 11. Um, it was really difficult we tried because we weren't quite sure what to tell them my husband's actually really good in a crisis he can be a really difficult person sometimes you know moody you know like, like husbands mm, can be yeah. but actually in a crisis he seriously is yeah. he was calm he had to look after the kids he had to, he had to organize the school <laughs> he he really he stepped up and um my daughter was kind of angry she didn't like it she doesn't like seeing me ill my son, is he's always been a bit afraid of death anyway. He was just afraid of losing his mum. Mm. Um, but there was, one, there was one time when we went, relatively soon after the, uh, the stent, we went to Chessington World of Adventure. And on one of the rides it says, if you have a heart problem or something, you know, there's, a, yeah. there's an announcement, if, do not come on this ride, you know, if you have, if you have a heart problem or something. And, and my son, Drew, when he went, don't tell them. Don't tell me you've got a heart problem. Don't tell him about a heart attack. Don't tell them because that meant that many wouldn't be able to go on the ride. So of course he was really frightened of the ride himself. But as we were going round, right, he got his hand. You know, you wear one of those harnesses. He got his hand. He was holding my harness. He went, "Mum, just breathe out. Breathe out." Because that's how you stop. It's all right, Mum. Just breathe. So just keep breathing. I mean, why don't more people do it? Yeah, exactly. So he's very. He's a lot more um, thoughtful about, I think he's worried and he thinks about, you know, the consequences. Um, but, now, but you see, a couple of years on, I really, because life has got back to normal now, I really, maybe I, I need to remind myself every so often or chat to my family more. Now I feel as if I've lost that, that initial feeling of thankful I'm still alive, appreciate what you've got. You know, I wrote a book. What do they say in life? Write a book, have children. What I've got to do now is plant a tree. <laughs> but I really feel like I need to plant a tree. You know, sometimes you just reset. You know, something like yeah. a heart attack, you just reset yourself. And you, and you really do have a chat with yourself and say, I want to choose a life that I enjoy. I want to choose the people that around me that I love. And I, I appreciate things more. Mm. And I've got to say, my, my husband's been... He's, he's pretty good, actually. He's been really supportive and not panicking. And, you know, we've got, we've got a healthy relationship. <laughs> I want to hear from Zena, though. She's got a much more raunchy I'm, story I'm than to me. her right now. Um, Zena, were you with your partner when you had your heart attack? Yes, yeah. Um, we were, as I say, both on holiday. And um, uh, I think... What kept me going was the fact that he looked so concerned every day and sat and watched me. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you, 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 you could, 
please go, go and buy me some pyjamas. Please buy me some pyjamas. <laughs> I don't want pink and I don't want anything with logos on them. What do I get? A pink set of pyjamas with, um, I want to be a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. The nurses all told me, don't trust him. Don't yeah. Um, so he was, um, he, he was brilliant, but I was more concerned for him looking so anxious. But overnight, literally, he went from my partner and lover to my carer. Mm. And that is quite a big, big leap. Mm. And, um, and, and he has been brilliant. But actually, he said to me the other day, because um, I've recently broken and dislocated my wrist and had surgery on it. He said, do you think we could have no more ill health for a while. I just need to recover. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, although I'm, I'm smiling and laughing about that, actually, mm-hmm. it, it sends another message yeah. that it's not just... A, because in a way, yeah. we know what our bodies are doing. Mm-hmm. We, we can control that. We are in control. But our, our friends, our family, our lovers... They don't know, and yeah. they're scared. They they have all the they're emotions in a very we go through. Passive role. Aren't yes, they? very much so. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did, obviously, Carol, your friends all all rallied around in your church family. Yeah. Did anyone have a sort of negative experience with friends? I think it was interesting. I was in the hospital for a week, and, and uh, we were talking earlier about what we did post the the trauma, mm. and we all wrote. You wrote poetry, didn't you, yeah, Zina? You wrote a book. Yes, I've Carol's written. written a book about heart attacks, and yeah. I've written a book about public speaking, which I'll mm. give to you, Carol. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. I've written a book called Goodbye Glossophobia, Banish Your Fear of Public Speaking. But funnily enough, we were just talking about the, the week that we were we had our trauma. Mm. I, I had a lot of time yeah. to think, and, I, and actually I wrote some of my best blogs, Not nothing about heart attacks, but I just wrote really nice stuff because I don't normally get time to sit down and write because I'm not really a very sit-down writing person. I've learnt to, to love it. Mm. But in that week, I had a lot of time to think and I had a lot of time for people to visit me. Mm. And it was really interesting who came to visit. And, and I, I wasn't there to judge how many times did so-and-so come? Did my brother come? Why didn't my sister come? I've got a massive family. I've got like 33 almost immediate family because I'm one of six. And I've got lots of friends in London, it's in the hospital central, the Royal London Hospital. But some of my friends were really dedicated. They mm. came, loads of, you know, bringing me stuff. Some people just carried on, like, I'm really busy, got a meeting, can't come. <laughs> Which is fine, I wasn't expecting anything. But it was, it was quite interesting to see who really, went, who, who, who really went out of their way to just hang out and spend time. Yeah. and bring me a, a salad or bring me something that, was, that wasn't hospital food um, and just sit and hang out in, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I got quite close to, to some of my friends and you know, my brother came, we just sat and chatted mm-hmm. without being in a pub. It was kind yeah. of, but it was yeah. quite interesting. And, I, I, and so some of my friends were really, I thought, yeah, I really do appreciate them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I was in a place... I was on holiday, but in a place where I used to live, friends that I hadn't seen for 20 years all came. It was great. It was great seeing them and catching them up again. And um, that, that to me was really amazing. As you said, Carol, about 
oh, somebody loves me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because actually it's very lonely just, yeah. sat in hospital in yeah. somewhere whilst you might have used to have known it, but now you live several hundred miles away and uh, it's quite lonely. And mm. not only did I write poetry, but I wrote letters. So and made a goodbye video as well. Um, <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I needed to do that at the time. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and that was, that actually helped to, yeah. um, it, it felt as though if I said it and wrote it, then perhaps the Grim Reaper wouldn't come and take yeah, so me. And like a protective charm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. When I was I, in the hospital, I remember asking my family, because some of my, my niece was on holiday, I think she was in Corfu, my sister's married to a Greek, that had family dotted around. And one of the things I asked for on our WhatsApp, um, I just said, just send me a picture of what you're doing. Just, I don't care if you're tying your shoelaces, send me pictures. So I, got, I wanted the most mundane <laughs> pictures, I mean, I got pictures of we are signing our contract at the hire car. <laughs> and like, oh, I'm feeding the cat. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, just really boring. But they were, the, they were the best pictures. And I really felt, I really felt that I had 33 immediate family right there, all with the WhatsApp group. It was really, really helpful. Mm. Just yeah. feeling, and, and I really felt like, wow, family really is important here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. And... I mean, like I said, we had, I had time, I had six weeks, and in that six weeks, part of analysing everything and coming to terms with things was to write it down, and I put it in a book, because I always wanted to write a book. And, like, I, I talked about being fearfully and wonderfully made, that's the title, fearfully and wonderfully made, the heart of the matter. And it's just taking you through my journey. But it's this process, any process of kind of, uh, whether it's yeah. video or writing, uh, externalising just, and getting yes. control over it is, a, is so helpful, yeah. isn't it, for any kind of traumatic experience. Yeah. And for me, can I just say, my husband initially was, you were saying about your husband being good at managing in a crisis. From the word go, he was there on the phone, Carol, cough, cough, because we had had this WhatsApp thing about if you're having a heart attack, you should cough. And, and he was there and he came and, and we, he used to sit up at nights watching me, especially when I was having to use five pillars because he said it's, I sounded like I was drowning and has been like a real rock. But I think with time, certain things, I think it's difficult. It's difficult. I think there's a difference, isn't there, between being good in a crisis, which is obviously wonderful, yeah, um, but then sustaining, yeah. sustaining, you know, care for a chronically ill person or or a long term ill recovery period. Yeah. Is I that think what the, he found difficult. I think or the you thing with my husband together? is because I look well and I get yeah. up and I do things. I'm yeah. at work and I'm, he just takes it. I'm okay, and I just think he doesn't quite get that mm. I can't take the stress that I'm yeah. normally on and uh, yeah I think I think that's the main I thing I think in the whole I'm learning in the whole of marriage it's best to build in a sort of safety margin because they 
they always think you can you're not trying your hardest and we always are trying our <laughs> yeah. hardest so i'm <laughs> i'm yeah. learning to lie basically and then yeah. just build in yourself build yourself a bit of slack in the system yeah but <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that just you know no, you're welcome, you're welcome. We're, we're just, <laughs> we're going off to feet slightly now i just want to sort of handbrake turn it back now because the one thing we haven't mentioned is how you feel afterwards about having sex again and things like that because mm. Again, your your body's been sort of reprogrammed and yeah. your mind. So where does that leave you suddenly face to face or however you prefer it? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not face to face. Don't get on top of me, no my heart, no, I've had a heart attack. Um, <laughs> so crush me. immediately, obviously, post heart attack, it was like, oh God, I can't even do anything. You know, don't, don't touch me, don't touch me. And um, so I, I talked openly about this and said, you know, I'm really not ready for any kind of um, sexual activity, you know, but but we did other things, you know. We, Scrabble. Imagine it. We can't spell, so it wouldn't work. <laughs> so we had other intimate moments like hugging and kissing and, um, you know, <laughs> other kinds of self gratification mm-hmm. or uh, other gratification. I... Sounds like Scrabble to me. But <laughs> <laughs> and so it, I went to the cardiac rehab. I I thought it it actually gave me more confidence going there because um, I I just needed that confidence boost. So I went to and then they did the talk, the sex talk. At oh, the, I never yeah, had yeah, sex talk. Yeah. Yeah. Sex talk. Yeah, no, you, so you have your exercise for an hour or so and then you have a half an hour session afterwards. Only everybody's a bit embarrassed except I don't get embarrassed because there's no point. This is a natural mm, activity for God's sake. Yeah. The first question I asked is, what happens to your heart in orgasm? She's, we're going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> No, I wasn't is, is there an answer? You've got to, you've got to build up to it. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly. Well, that's what we're preparing you for. You know, you, you okay. Right, so I've got to do exercise first. No, okay. She says no. You, you, we're putting your heart under that extra bit of strain by doing this exercise. Keep the exercise. It will be fine. Okay. So, um, I come away from that. I thought, right. I'm now mentally ready as well as physically ready. And so then we had to talk through positions, you know, or I, no, I'll correct that. I had to talk through positions, you know. So you genuinely didn't want that? No, I, I, I said, you pressure. cannot, you cannot lie on top of me, you know, because I, I'll I just, hit you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll panic and I'll, yeah. I don't, I just, I, I can't cope. I'm sure I could, but I just you didn't want, want yeah, I didn't want that yeah, experience of, yeah of any kind of tightness over my chest so we sort of did it side by side but lying on our backs you just you know karma sutra eat your heart out i know all the different positions for heart problems um (laughs) and so and then so i guided him as to what i wanted and then so so we we started thrusting as it were i'm trying to be trying to be polite here we started thrusting and then um uh, then I got a bit agitated and he says are you all right are you all right I said yeah I'm fine he said no 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 you're not all right you're not all right I said um I'm just checking my Fitbit to see what my heart rate's doing (laughs) (laughs) and he's like do you want me to stop I said no 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 you can carry on my heart rate's fine it's okay 
Fitbit, <laughs> best tool in the world, worst tool in the world, you know? And it's like, so I'm trying to surreptitiously tap the thing. Why do you have to tap the thing to see your heart rate? And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, carry on, carry on. He said, this isn't good for you. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I'm, I'm just learning I've got the parameters. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, my heart rate hasn't gone above 70. I'm doing more than that in the bloody gym. <laughs> Get on with it, you know. Um, so we, yeah, but but we talked about it, and I explained, you know, that my, my fears, you know, is my, you know, if I have an orgasm, am I gonna, is my heart gonna stop? Is it gonna stop if you lie on top of me? Am I gonna feel uncomfortable? So, so we really did explore it and talk it through, um, quite in in depth. It was really important. Um, what else yeah. do you want to know? I think we're going to have to go home. We have to go home now and try it out. Esther, do you have any, um, you know, hot all, tips? All, all I all I can say is you, you can be creative. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's not, there's not just one way to no. do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and 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 I do feel more or less normal now. I feel a lot more sexier. <laughs> well, I didn't feel great about myself, and I think mentally, physically, if you don't feel great about yourself. You just don't feel great about yourself. So yeah. for me, it's it's about feeling good. It's fe- feeling like I can be me again. You know, I can be a I can be a woman again. <laughs> um, it wasn't so much about my heart rate. I, I was going to say, did you do the green ring? You know, the green <laughs> ring, which is the fit ring on the Fitbit. <laughs> I think you have to have your heart rate sustainable sustained for twenty eight minutes. <laughs> oh, that's asking a bit much of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think for me, I just had the understanding that it was sex is like exercise, you know, and, and sometimes it doesn't get to exercise level. It's just an activity, <laughs> which is less, it's it's less yeah, than yeah. your heart. Yeah. So just like you would with exercise after a heart attack, you warm up and gently build up. And when you feel ready emotionally as well, that's very important. But um, and my husband He's, my husband's very open and we're very open. We just talk about things and he expressed me, you know, what's going to happen about our sex life. And we talked about it and I explained all of that. And we had sex, you know. But there is one thing that I don't know, Esther, you're still of childbearing age. I am, yes. yes. Yeah. So I am I, as well. I've, I've not gone through the menopause. I've just mm. turned 50. There, there was an unexpected bit that came in with regards to having a heart attack. Because when I had the heart attack, I had the progesterone implant in. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. And um, after I had the heart attack, it was due to come out, I think, last year or early this year. Mm. It, and because I had it in place when I had the heart attack, it was now considered too much of a risk to replace it, even though usually yeah. it's not considered a cause for heart yeah. attack. The fact that I had it in place when I had the heart attack made it now what we call a UK MEC3. So basically the risks outweigh the benefit. So I couldn't have that. Um, other forms of contraceptives wouldn't work for me for various reasons, which meant that the onus was now on my partner. Yeah. Now through life we'd gotten the woman gets the contraceptive and everything yeah. is fine yeah. and you do it and you carry on. No, it's, I'm looking to him to do yeah. it if you want to still have a sex life. Mm. But that is where I learned things that I didn't really know before mm. and hadn't thought about. And Men are different everything. and everybody culturally are different. And as a human being, if my husband was a patient, I wouldn't force him to do something that he doesn't want to do. But it's, 
it's a bit hard to take when you feel like I've done it all this time. Mm -hmm. No, it's your turn and you're hesitating or you have a different take on it. Yeah. That emotionally does yeah. something to you me. I don't know do how you feel. Yeah. Mm. I don't know mm. you be, yeah, but that has been something that I certainly wasn't expecting. I wasn't thinking would be an issue. Yeah. But this is the reality of life for a woman after a heart attack and a younger woman. So yeah. it now does have some implications for us, because I certainly don't want to get pregnant again. And I'm no. still having periods. So I could get pregnant, not with a heart like mine mm. and my age. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a combination of things that would not be a good idea. Yeah, well, your family was no. complete family. before the And heart my family attack. was complete. Then it's complete so, afterwards. So it? it's just these little things that happen unexpected that comes yeah. in. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, contraception mm -hmm. is an issue if you're, if you're a young heart attack victim because you do not want to get pregnant. That would be a high risk. That would be a very, very, very high, high risk. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. 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 Well, on that very intimate and interesting note, thank you so much, everyone. Um, and listeners, please make sure you join us for part three, which will be the final part of our conversation, where we'll be talking about the more mental and emotional and even spiritual aspects of the aftermath of this kind of event and how your outlook on life has, has been affected. Uh, once again, it'll be one I hope not to be missed. Uh, so find the ticker tapes on your preferred listening platform and make sure you subscribe as well so you don't miss an episode. Uh, and until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the ticker tapes. If you would like any more information about the BHF's campaign and the heart attack gender gap, or if you want to know the signs, symptoms and risk factors to be aware of, then please visit bhf.com dot org dot uk forward slash women.